anybody there? Can anybody hear me? I'm here. Hey, can you there, hear me? There you are. Yes, I can. It's wonderful to, to get to meet you and talk to you for a little bit. I really appreciate your time. Just to kind of set the stage here real quick, cool. you're a musician, you're a filmmaker, you have a, a variety of different ways that you express yourself and you pursue artistic uh, excellence. So do you want to start with music or do you want to start with filmmaking or somewhere in between where these things intersect? <laughs> so I've been doing music longer. So if we want to start there, and it, it almost does kind of feed into it, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, the music that I've been a part of, it was always DIY. It was always self oh, I love it. created, yeah, right? Yeah. So we didn't have the backing of Sony or whoever. And so not only did we have to put out the album and figure out how to do production that way, but we had to do ding, 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 our own music videos, or, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah. That was me cutting my teeth on editing. And oh, I love that. So we could we could start there if you want. Yeah, you know, and yeah. And just naturally go where so, it goes. So really basic, stupid question. What kind of music is it? What, uh, what draws you in? So my personal art is experimental avant-garde. Nice. So I had a band for the longest time. Uh, we kind of started when I was a kid uh, mm -hmm. around 1989 and it mm. was just like taking cassettes and, oh, you know, making God. these loops <laughs> and, you know, just like very, very rudimentary kind of stuff, yeah. but experimental, right? So like early, early samples without a sampler. Uh -huh. right? Um, and that, that band was called kill the scientist and it was always <laughs> Shahab plus special guests in the studio and Shahab plus special guests live. And the live mm. component was always very, uh, performance art kind of oh, okay. stuff where, you know, we would go to like a sex shop and get a bunch of like, you know, BDSM masks <laughs> and, you know, you know yeah, yeah. chains and whatever. And, uh, you know, one of the first shows we played, we had not first shows, but one of the first like real, real shows, we had big oil drums and we had a, I don't even remember where we stole it from, but it was, it was, a um, special, I don't even know what you call them, but what's the thing where you pump your gas? Oh, the, with? yeah, the, the gas the, pumps. The gas pumps. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the pump is the thing, but whatever the handle is, right? Uh -huh. So we had a handle with the hose, and we used the hose as the drum uh, stick and the oil <laughs> drum as the drum, and like it was, you know, crazy. But um, anyway, so we can start there. Yeah, if you want. Yeah, yeah. Keep there, going. Like, keep the, going. The experimental because... kind of stuff. Cause that's that's very much up my alley, and that I mean, are sounds. Are we recording to me, now or no? Yes, we are. <laughs> we are rocking and rolling, oh, okay, man. Okay, rocking cool, and rolling. Cool, cool, cool. You were doing theater at that point. That's just kind of like my my bread and butter. There's uh, a really beautiful way to make sure that you're in the moment and present. Mm -hmm. You know, with essentially props being your own prop department, mm -hmm. organizing a production like that. I mean, that's a show. Yeah. That, and it a really hell of a was, show. Yeah. and I'll send I'll send you that. Uh, we we have a taping of that show. Nice, nice. Someone filmed it, and years later, I was like, "Hey, do you still have that?" <laughs> it was like on a little, you know, mini DV, a dat yeah. tape, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and um, so it was fun because then the last song. Well, first of all, we had you know, so I'm I'm Persian. I was born in L.A., so I kind of you know, English is my first language, kind of thing, but. We had songs where, and you'll see it on the video, where it sounds almost like Ramstein, where we're like, oh, right, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But really, all I'm saying in Farsi is, 
I really love apples and they taste so good, but it's just because it's Farsi and everyone in the audience only knew English. It was, yeah, you know, yeah. it was, it was so funny. But, um, but then the last song we said, okay, you know, there's, there's a canvas over here. There's paints. You can spit on it, whatever you want. So while the last song is going, please add to this. Um, mm. There's, you know, stuff everywhere. Grab it. And we're going to do a drum so- circle. This is mm. going to be our finale. Yeah. And dude, everyone came and, you know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was wild. So that was kind of my start. Right. So, okay. uh, avant-garde experimental music, which nobody, you know, it, big labels, they want pop, um, smaller labels. They want things that aren't so out there kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, so we had to do everything on, on, on our own, mm. um, figure it out, figure out the promotions, you know, how do I get, you know, the new Beyonce album came out how do I get you to buy my crazy wild thing and not spend your money on that? So we were learning marketing and learning how to find our perfect target market. Yeah. Um, and of course at the time, um, well again, kill a scientist started in 1989 and kind of fizzled out around 2014, 2015 Mm. kind of thing. It's a good run. Um, (laughs) very good run, you know, but again, it was Shahab plus special guests. So Mm -hmm. it was, it's kind of easy to keep it going, and, yeah, but it was yeah. you know it was time to kind of lay that to rest. But I still make very similar kinds of music. Um, but yeah, so at the time, at the very end, there I was you know a sociology major in college, and and that is the study of um, how religion, politics, and marketing sway large groups mm. of people, yeah. right? In their thinking and getting them to do something with the call to action. And so, you know, we were kind of throwing things at the wall and, and, and figuring it out and learning it and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, so I don't know if that answered your question. No, this definitely little, does. But... No, this is beautiful because my mind is going a whole bunch of different directions. But the first thing that comes to mind is one of the big dilemmas of the artist, right? Which is, at which point am I a product, you know, and at which point am I, am I free of that system? And I think that you, it seems like you've been able to identify a spot in between that spectrum that, that is very clear and specific to you that allows you to, Mm -hmm. to be, be comfortable marketing yourself, getting the word out there without, without feeling like you're selling out. Is that a good assessment? It is. And, you know, I would, you know, especially when someone goes to higher education for Mm -hmm. the arts. And again, you know, I've been at the UNLV college of fine arts Mm -hmm. since 2017. Um, And I'm still there. So apparently they still like me, but um, (laughs) you know, but the thing that I see is that, you know, and not necessarily the school I'm at, this is across the board globally Mm -hmm. at art schools. When you are going to school to hone your craft they teach craft, but they don't teach the business side of things. I and so when you graduate, yep. you're just like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable networking or asking for things, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, half the time it's if you were just to have asked, you would have gotten whatever right. it was, you know, right. whether it's applying for a grant or, you know, yeah. what have you. So right. I think it's an important component. It, it you know, let me just say something though. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll agree as a creative, the business side of things sucks. Oh yeah. It's soul sucking. <laughs> you hate it. It's business. It's accounting, mm-hmm. you know, it's marketing. It's all yeah. icky things. You don't, cause you want to just create and you want to make it. But, um, you know, I, I subscribe to the fact that, you know, I, 
and like you said in the beginning, I do a lot of different things. I do a lot of things and I do it so that whatever I'm thinking of exists, whether one person sees it or a million. Mm -hmm. For me, the most important thing is that I finished it and that it exists, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but if it is your intention to get the $300,000 contract instead of the $30 con, you know, mm -hmm. thing that you sold at your booth at the fair. Mm -hmm. Um, it's important to at least familiarize yourself with networking right. and, right. you know, team building and managing and all the things that are just boring and gross. Right. Right. And I couldn't agree more. And I, I actually have asked, some of my previous guests in the past, my theory, because I try to test my theory, you know, mm -hmm. against whatever other people have gone through. But I tell people that if I had it my way, I would go through my education again, but I would take a business degree. Like every mm -hmm. art student should be mandated to take a business. At least a business minor. 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 Yes. Because, yes. Not because we are selling out or we, or, or there's something wrong, you know, with, with the existing art system. It's just that, we a lot of us don't know how to participate as artists in the real world and i think that that is the huge divide we can be of great service to our communities if we knew how to interact with our communities mm -hmm. and personally exactly. and obviously this isn't something that i'm sh i'm sure there's a lot of people who are way more street smart than me or able to kind of communicate with the world a little bit better but it feels like it took me 10 years after college to figure out how to exist in my own community See, as an artist. So imagine if you had that knowledge first day out. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you'd be, you know, hitting the ground running, ready to go to use your arts to serve, which is really, I mean, in some level, even if you're not an activist, art serves communities. Yeah. You know, in fact, simple. the yeah. dean of the college that I work at now, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that she's been really pushing lately is, and especially since COVID, mm -hmm the arts are essential right so they were talking yeah. about essential workers and she just she's coined this i mean i don't know if she made it up but mm -hmm. the arts are essential and i yeah. i definitely subscribe to that mm -hmm. you know art the arts help us again whether it's a painting or music or you know poetry yeah it helps us look at the world and digest what's happening and analyze what's happening in a way that we probably couldn't right uh if we were just on our own yeah. right was there were there any projects that you had going on during COVID that allowed you to process or that were influenced by COVID uh, during that time? Uh, yeah, actually, great question. I'm so <laughs> glad you asked that. That is that's a fun question. Okay, so obviously several, um, but the important one that really I feel was important content wise, but also you know making an impact, and it's still making an impact. So. At UNLV, uh, which, uh, again, is where I've been working since 2017, there was a liberal arts professor who was doing these oral history um, presentations where she would, you know, so she was in liberal arts and then she would team up with fine arts mm. and they would go to the museum on campus, bring dance students. And as these people are telling their oral history, they would interpret that as a mm. dance, right? So I think the first one was um, uh, army veterans. Oh, and so wow. they were retelling their things and the dancers are, you know, doing that. Yeah. Uh, there was a few of them. And then there was one that was going to happen where the same professor found four 
Holocaust survivors that live wow. in our city. And she was going to get them to give their oral history. You know, again, same format. Here comes COVID. No one can come together. No yeah. one can go to the museum. Everything's shut down. Um, so she approached the dean. Um, and again, so my role there, I don't think I've said it yet, is communication. So uh -huh. I'm marketing yeah, for yeah. the College of Fine Arts, right? Yeah. And so she basically asked the dean if it was okay if – you know, she borrowed me from time to time <laughs> to get this thing, you know, going because she still wanted to do something with the dancers, with the Holocaust survivors. And again, hmm. the Holocaust survivors, they're old, right? Yeah. Like they yeah. are 90, 100, right? And mm -hmm. so she was like, we, we can't wait for COVID to go away. We've yeah. got to do this, right? Right. So the dean herself being Jewish was like, oh, my God, yes. Like, tell these stories. Mm -hmm. I was interested because I am very uh, anti-racist and anti-fascist. And mm -hmm. I thought with the rise of fascism, not just in the United States, but all over the world, in the Philippines, in the, right? So all yeah. of these totalitarian states coming up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the masses of people following along, which let's pause there. When I was in high school in the 90s, I would think, how the hell did the regular ass Germans go along with this? Oh, yeah. Well, now yeah. I see it. They all went along with Trump. They all went along with whatever. Right. And so. Mm. I felt like this was an important thing. You know, history will repeat itself unless we learn from history. So. Uh, October 2020, we went and went to the homes of the four survivors, mm. filmed them reading their oral history, and then we had our we had our footage, we had our stories. So then I shared that footage with the uh, professors in dance. The professors choreographed some, the students choreographed some. They brought in some dance alumni to choreograph mm. some. And while they were rehearsing, we were kind of thinking about locations, like what could we do, right? So one of them was in the dance studio where, you know, they have classes. So we mm -hmm. did a couple things there where we had access to, you know, thousands of dollars of lighting. And then we went out into the wetlands park. And then we went to, you know, this place where there was train tracks and, mm -hmm. you know, trains and all this stuff. Again, outdoors and everyone was safe and masked and, you know, all these mm -hmm. things. Um, and what, you know, when we were filming all of that, again, like it was, we had to move away from what it was, what it would have been in the museum, right? That's that medium. Mm -hmm. This is this medium, right? So even once all footage was shot, I didn't know what the end result would look like. Like, is it, you know, like a little bubble over here and this is where the survivor is telling their story. Mm -hmm. And then we, you know, like, how was I going to present this? And mm -hmm. so. Um, in the end, uh, you know, and I, I worked a lot with Kathy Allen, who was the choreography professor, um, to pick the specific moments mm. that made sense, the specific angles, right? Like cutting out this that was out of focus, this didn't look good, that didn't look good, right? Sure. And once we had all of the selections, I then did surgery with the oral histories mm. it's, it wasn't the complete history uh -huh. I, I took snippets that made sense we licensed music so that 
we could share this forever and not have to worry about copyrights. Like we paid for the music licensing and all of that. And so what ended up, uh, what this ended up being was not only a 23 minute film that merges story with choreography, but um, I didn't want it to end there. In fact, I felt like, if someone were to stumble on that on YouTube or at a film festival, it, it wouldn't be enough. Like, what is this even? Right. So I said, this has to be a website, mm. right. Where on the homepage is this 23 minute film, but there's a menu that can go to about and read like what this yeah. was. There's another one where it's, uh, you know, just says stories or something, histories or something like that you click on that. And it is everyone's full moral mm. history that we shot right. so that you can hear it unedited. Cause I did, I took out a bunch of stuff, yeah. you know, left in just the things that resonated yeah. that would resonate with, with current audiences and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that we just took it to Madison, Wisconsin. There was a Connie, uh, Jewish arts film, uh, not film festival, Jewish arts festival, which had a, you know, a myriad of presenters and things like that. So, that was amazing. Mm. Um, we just uh, were invited to a dance festival in Australia oh, to screen the film. And so it's it's doing what we had planned and it's going yeah. much further than it would have if it was just in the museum. So mm -hmm. that again, long winded. No, but, but this is this that is was a, yeah. Go, you know, oh, go it, ahead. It I'm was, sorry. It was, no, I was just gonna say it was it was very impactful for me for the students who worked with it because again a lot of you know uh unlv is a pretty diverse school uh as far as ethnicities and um you know uh walks of life and all of that and so a lot of these students you know post uh, george floyd and stuff like they were feeling mm -hmm. a lot of this very similar feelings um that you know these these folks were doing now <clears throat> we this is not to say this was a perfect uh, shoot, right? So we did, there was some, uh, you know, animosity, and we did have three or four really? um, Jewish scholars that we had as researchers, and we would pass everything to them because we also didn't want things to be offensive, uh, kind of thing. But mm. this is a funny story, and I think this is this is like perfect for a podcast. Yeah. Um, so of our four. Um, uh, survivors, we also sent the final film to them to, to, to just say, hey, this is kind of, you know, we didn't know what it was going to look like, but this is in the end result. This is what it looked like. You know, hopefully you, we have your buy-in and that kind of thing. Um, and everyone was like, yeah, this is great, except Henry. Now, Henry, he got pissed off. Now, really? because, so, so the way this film is structured, it's in uh, phases. So the first phase after the introductions is before the war. Mm. Then we go to the war, which includes concentration camps and all of that. Then it, the next uh, phase of the film is liberation when they were liberated. Mm -hmm. And then the last segment is kind of like a final thoughts moment where mm -hmm. they reflect on it, but they also... I mean, out of their oral history, they just kind of, um, it's not advice, but they were kind of telling people like they're, you know, like be happy, be mm -hmm. hopeful, even yeah. though the world can be ugly, like that kind of stuff, sure. right? Final sure. thoughts. 
he, so our one female survivor, he did not like her answer. <laughs> oh my goodness. And he was pissed and he was like, you need to delete it. You need to remove it. I, you know, do not want to be a part of this if her answer is in there. Now, what was, what did he have a problem with? Right. Mm. So as a part of her final thoughts, she said, despite the fact that the Nazis did to us what they did, I have forgiven them. Mm. And that has allowed me to move on. Wow. And he was like, I will never forgive them. Screw them. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I can't believe, like, I am offended that she said that. Yeah. And so the professor in liberal arts, her name is Roberta Sabbath. She was like, oh my God, what do we do? How do mm -hmm. we do? How do we? And I said, okay, first of all, this to me sounds like white man trying to quiet the female. And I will not have that. Okay. Mm -hmm. First of all, no. No. Second of all, this is not a documentary. Oral histories are not objective. They are subjective. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, his version of what happened to him based on his memories and how he's been able to digest it for the past 80 years. Mm -hmm. and this is hers and this is yours and this is yours. So this is all opinion. Mm -hmm. This is all opinion. And I am not going to, you know, yeah, do that. So what I told her to do, I said, listen, we're going to fix this because I don't, I, I definitely don't want to. In fact, on top of that, before I got his feedback and his anger, I had shared it with a few friends of mine who are Jewish. And one of them wrote me an email back saying, oh my God, that was powerful. That was da 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 da, -da. It's a 23 minute film. She could have talked about anything, but mm -hmm. guess what she talked about? She talked about that one line mm -hmm. that our female survivor said and how to her it was inspiring not offensive it was inspiring wow. because someone could have gone through that and still forgave right mm. so i was like dude like this is this is film film is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. it's supposed to make you offended or like agree or whatever right so this mm -hmm. is this is what film does and no i don't want to censor her that it is not his place to censor her so i sent her Again, it was still kind of COVID and all this stuff. So I was like, listen, take your phone, plug your little headset thing in, you know, put the microphone next to Henry and have him do a rebuttal. Have mm. him, again, not necessarily to her, but what is his version of that? Oh, take? my goodness. How yeah. does he yeah. feel? So, man, it was beautiful. It was, he was like, will I? forgive the nazis never never in a million years right and so mm. i kind of teed up that section with him so start we'll start off with you henry we'll we'll, we'll let everyone hear everything that you want to say mm. about how you will never forgive them and then mm. we'll get to her and then she will say that she will forgive them and all that kind of stuff mm. um just so that you know again henry we're gonna have both sides we're gonna have her opinion your opinion this yeah. is all oral histories right he he recorded that we we edited it spliced it in changed that little end section we gave it to him he was like cool okay you know what uh, i can live with that wow he passed away the week after no oh my goodness crazy right oh no he wow. so to me that was like wow a we allowed him to have his final say like literally the last thing he ever recorded was with us for this um <sighs> Anyway, so that was, you know, again, it was 
yeah. Uh, you know, and and in the process too, it, it took thirteen months to edit. Wow. Because the the stories were so heavy. Like again, yeah. like when you're editing, yeah. you're listening to certain passages over and over and over again, and it it was tough. It was it was tough listening to yeah. you know I, I held my brother as he died kind of moments over and over and over again. Right. right. Um, but in the end, I think it's going to be impactful. I think it is, and you know, kind right. of getting there. So yeah, and it's that's... free to watch. Oh, so really? You just do a just a Google search UNLV Showa Survivors. You'll find that website. It'll have all the stuff on there. Yeah, and I'll make sure to include it in the podcast description so that folks cool. who are listening can check that out because I want to commend you for that because that's – talk about great problem solving in a very delicate situation through the arts where you say, yes, this is going to help the movie or whatever or the documentary or the oral history, if you will. But We call it a doc- docu-dance. The docu-dance. Because <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't pitch <laughs> right. it more. Yeah. But you, you're able to – provide a fuller picture by solving the problem. I mean, I just think that's such a wonderful way to to enhance that experience for everyone and to feel like they're being heard, which is, I imagine, such a painful thing to do for folks who have gone through something that awful. I mean, they, they're going to have charged opinions. They're going to be, you know, very protective of how they experience something. And I can't wait to see that. I'm actually going to, you know, seek that out and watch it because that sounds incredible yeah i'll send you i'll send you the link yeah, so you can include yeah. it but yeah that, so anyway so that was one of many during covid projects yeah. that <laughs> really i mean you know i again I, i'm very proud of so. yeah and for uh somebody who was a videographer you know for a time i did weddings and corporate stuff and little stuff like that that's the most fascinating jigs out of solve is how these things come together. And I was pretty giddy when you were saying, okay, what is this going to be? Is it going to be mm-hmm. a straightforward performance? Is it going to be a more experimental thing? You you have, again, gradients of, of this stuff and what it could be. How do you determine what the, what the appropriateness of that is? I mean, like, can you give me an example of something that was giving you shit during the moment that you were editing at like a piece that didn't belong because in a way you're talking about two separate <laughs> things here of something that's so heavy man like mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. that is that is very difficult to talk about and and trying to funnel it through dance and through through this medium like was there a moment that you remember just being a complete pain in the ass in the editing well so so i'll shift gears to a different project a different covid of course, project of course. so um, you know, I, I do my art, if you will, is not painting is not sculpture. I do these short films, um, that say things that are important to me that I want people to, even if it's on an unconscious level, start thinking about. Right. Mm. Um, and so I had always wanted to do a coming of age tale mm. and I never knew what that would look like or how it would be or who I would even cast and that kind of thing. And then lo and behold, during lockdown, my daughter was turning 16. So it was oh, like, goodness. oh my God, not only, <laughs> so I live with the lead character. We could ADR all day long, right? Uh, reshoots easy, right? And so we got some friends together and this was, it was kind of a, if you are not comfortable because it was, I mean, vaccines weren't even out yet, right? Mm. If you feel uncomfortable or your family is immunocompromised, 
it's okay to say no to this. This is mm-hmm. this is a for fun project. We're just we're all tired of being on lockdown. We want to be creative, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things going into it, all of my films, and I don't know why, they're kind of on the thirteen to twenty minute range, mm-hmm. and I feel like that from for me is kind of like a sweet spot where I can, you know, do character development, get you interested in the story, and then do the you know finale. Um, but it sucks when you're submitting to film festivals because the sweet yeah. spot is the 10 minute film, mm-hmm. right? Where, um, you know, cause they have shorts blocks and if your short is 30 minutes, well, you just took up the spot of three films they could have had mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so we were, you know, getting turned down, turned down to, I was like, you know what, let's, let's do something here. Let's, so this, this film, it's called, Oh, the guilt. Um, and the, the title is a nod to a, an obscure Nirvana song and Nirvana kind of does tie into the story (laughs) a little bit. Um, so it has two dream sequences and let's actually pause there. So we were going to shoot the dream sequences on green screen. We knew that I bought in December of 2019, I bought plane tickets for me and the fam to go to London to, there, there's a and I can't remember the name right now, but there's a uh, a national park about two hours north of London that looks like what we Americans think of as like Scotland, <laughs> like rolling green hills, <laughs> castles. But it's just like a yeah, it's a national park. You pay your way in and you hike and you do whatever. Right. So I was gonna go there. I bought a like rain uh you know pocket thing for my camera because it rains there you know yeah, all year long. Yeah. And we were going to get plates because what I wanted was the dream sequences because the awaking life parts were in Las Vegas. Like it was definitely USA. I wanted the dreams to feel like it was somewhere else. Just mm-hmm. unconsciously, you're, you can see the vegetation's different, right? Yeah. You can see that the the you know mountains are different. So our tickets were for July, 2020 needless to say that was canceled. England wouldn't (laughs) let people in. We got our, you know, had to fight for it. We got our money back for the flights. So the Thursday that the governor locked the state down, I was like, okay, social distancing. Well, I'm going to go hiking then. And I (laughs) drove out to um, death Valley. There's a place called Kelso dunes. And I took 50 pounds of gear, went all by myself and oh, shot goodness. plates on the you know sand dunes. I'm like, fine, if it's not going to be rolling green hills, <laughs> it's going to be sand, right? So that was in March. We finally filmed everything in October. So what from that time to that time, I was like, okay, let's shoot an extra dream like bridge that would combine the two dreams. Mm. So in the original script, she has this dream, wakes up, it's like, wait, what was that? And then when she goes back to sleep, that's when it really gets going. And I was like, you know what? What if we cut the waking up part and just this is one dream mm. so that we can keep it as a 10-minute thing? It's like the festival cut, yeah, right? Yeah, So on the green screen day, we shot everything we needed. And then I was like, okay, guys, and, you know, Pulling this out of left field, but here's a new script. This is the bridge where we're kind of combining the two dreams into one, right? Long story short, I get into editing. I make the full version, and then I'm like, cool. I'm cool with that. Here you go. Like, start writing the score. Now I'm going to do 
the short version, the festival version. Combine the two, use the bridge, did all that, and it went from 23 minutes to 19 minutes. And I was like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh so needless to say, that little bridge is now a deleted scene on the YouTube channel because wow, uh, it didn't work. We had wanted to use that to cut this down to 10 minutes to get into more festivals. <laughs> it shaved three minutes off. So I was like, no, we're going to submit the full 23 minutes and they'll, you know, make do. And, you know, if you, if you check the think speak um, website, you can see all the official selections we got and all the awards we got, even though it was 23 minutes. Mm. So, Anyway, so that was kind of a shift. But um, the other thing I think sold the sand dunes thing. So we shot all the green screen stuff on a Saturday in October uh, 2020. Mm. And the the co-star drove out from L.A. And I was like, all right, well, you're going to drive back Sunday. What if <laughs> I take my daughter, you know, you're on your way back to LA. We go back to Kelso Dunes where mm. I shot the plates and then we'll get overhead drone shots because we know exactly what wardrobe you wore yesterday. Mm. You guys know exactly what motions and what handholds and what hugs and whatever you did for eight hours <laughs> on a green screen. Just replicate that as we fly over you. And we didn't really get to use a lot of the drones. It was really just, I mean less than 10 seconds of it yeah but I, it was the glue that was mm. needed to where when i talk to certain people they have no idea that the over the shoulder shots were shot on green screen oh beautiful yeah yeah so so even though covid screwed us and i, I really <laughs> wanted it to be england for our plates um it actually worked better because we would not have had a drone shot of England, you know. Oh, that's so. incredible. And it's a great example of filmmakers just figuring shit out nonstop. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one thing after another that happens. Now, I'm curious of your take on this because uh, drones are um, they're a very appealing tool uh, for the toolkit. But do you think that the state of film is um, is it helping or is it a crutch? Um, based on how it's used in in current, I think indie I think filmmakers. both. Yeah, I think both. And and if you are an indie filmmaker listening to this, look, I'm not a guru, uh, but I shoot and edit every day of my life. Okay, and so my recommendation, whether we're talking about a gimbal or a drone. If you can use them to where it's almost invisible, that's the way to use it. Mm. So don't overuse it. If you've got a gimbal, don't use it on a hundred percent of the shots. <laughs> um, if you're, you know, if it's a drone, like yeah. think about instead of using it like a helicopter flyover, could you use it instead of a dolly? Mm. Right. So it's yeah. not high above. Now we're walking with the, you know, whoever it is for half a mile. And they're like, oh my God, how'd they do that? Right. <laughs> so, like, those kinds of like, use it as, um, so the last thing I shot, we used a gimbal. Actually, the, the experiment on that film, which we just shot in May, and just, and this is just blows my mind. Okay. So, we, <laughs> this was the experiment with this new one. Will iPhone 13 cinematic mode, be able to 
like compete with these hundred thousand dollar Ari cameras, right? Uh, so you'll have to be the judge of that. But <laughs> dude, it, we shot it on a phone, and it just won best film at the LA Sci-Fi and Horror Festival. Oh, that wow. blows my mind, dude. Wow, blows my mind. congrats! Like, didn't didn't awesome. even think that would happen, right? <laughs> um, but with that, you know, I had so we had an opening sequence. Uh, spoiler alert! But I wanted to do something. Because uh, it's a, it's a horror, right? So it's, it's kind of like a thriller horror thing. I wanted something to where it was an uncut shot. Mm. So I have one of these things called a one wheel. If you're familiar with that, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, Same so I, I was I was on the one wheel. I had the you know iPhone 13 on the gimbal, and like half a mile through campus, just going, going, going. Uh, when I got to a certain point where I knew we could kind of start to see our heroine, I was like, all right, Coco, start walking. <laughs> right. So people are like, what? So she, she's, she starts, you know, walking. You can't tell she was waiting for a cue. You can't. Right. She starts walking. I basically catch up to her. We, we, we still see the back of her head. She gets to the building where she has to go up steps. Now, at this point, okay, so this, again, this is a spoiler alert for everyone <laughs> who is listening to this podcast. This is behind the scenes. You're going to see my first AD walking with her pink shirt as we're coming to the steps, right? Now, she's pretending to be a student, right, and this college campus. What really was going on was that I could not uh, safely dismount the one wheel and keep the shot going because the shot follows her up the stairs and into the building and then when she sees the crowded you know elevator lobby that's when the camera finally pans around and looks at her going oh man right oh wow so that was all one shot we had to do it six times to get it right but um what the what was the first ad's actual job pretend you're a student walking by in the shot and then quickly run toward me, grab the gimbal. <laughs> I dismount and she finished the shot. Right. Oh, and beautiful. so, and of course, like as the shots playing out, that's when the credits, you know, blah, 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 score by screenplay. Sure. Right. Um, but wait, why was I, why, why, why did I? Oh, I think the tools, the being able to oh, use those tools. So, one, yeah. so what I told the first AD was this, I want, yes, I want you to grab the gimbal. But the gimbal has one of these like joystick things. Mm. I was like, don't use that. <laughs> Do not use that. We are not using the gimbal as a gimbal. Think of it as the tool that is preventing your footsteps from showing up in the shop. That's it. Amazing. Don't use it. Don't use the gimbal <laughs> as a gimbal. So that's that's kind of my recommendation. If you if you are going to use a you know, a Ronin or, you know, one of those cell phone gimbals or a drone even. Make it so that it's a fluid, smooth shot where they don't see the footsteps. If oh, yeah. that is what you can do or use it as the slightly moving tripod, if you approach it that way, then you won't overuse it because that's when, you know, filmmakers will see that there's an amateur at work that's when you know it's just overused and people are like man like is that the only technique you know is to use this thing you know yeah. that yeah. takes batteries and in a you know whatever so um anyway so that that's my recommendation don't use it as what it's intended use it as something that will make whatever shot it is fluid and smooth so that they're not thinking a cameraman was holding it 
they're wrapped in the story. Beautiful. Man, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I I think uh, some of these lessons uh, are so hard won. Uh, Like there's had to be a lot of trial and error. Now, there's there's a couple more questions that I want to ask you because I want to be mindful of your time. But we're going to have to keep talking (laughs) probably at a later (laughs) date to pick up where we left off. We'll talk on Twitter. That's right. That's right. We'll talk some more. (laughs) Or another episode. That's right. That's right. Anytime, man. But I'm curious what's on the horizon for you. What are you excited about right now that is currently in the prep stage or or you're kind of on the verge of, of beginning? (laughs) <laughs> uh, so there's a lot like we have we have a few um eps coming out on the record label mm. uh that we're really you really got a excited record label. about oh my goodness i'm so sorry i totally we, we totally missed it <laughs> this is <laughs> no this is okay. part one filmmaking okay part one part one um yeah so so my wife and i have been running a record label since 1999 which was insane that 2019 was the 20 year anniversary oh my goodness um, congrats but yeah we have we have a couple eps coming out um some local groups that we're super excited about um i'm working on my own uh full-length album which i wasn't really going to do one but i i put out an anthology um that was basically a Shahab Zaghari anthology, things that I produced or, you know, recorded or whatever it was. And a few of the tracks have gotten attention on TikTok. Nice. And like, I mean, hundreds of thousands of listens a month. I'm like, man, first of all, that was crazy. And thank you, TikTok <laughs> and internet. That was wonderful yeah. uh, for those royalties. But I was like, okay, well, if all these people are listening to the track and getting recommendations of the track, this is the perfect time to make an mm-hmm. album mm-hmm. and maybe that'll come up in there recommended, right? Yeah, and that kind yeah. of thing. So I'm really excited about it. it again, it's it's where my brain was you know, when I did stuff like Kill the Scientist where it's very experimental, very avant-garde, um, but it's, it's still sample heavy, um, but about six, seven of the tracks, I utilized AI software to create the bare bone of the song. Um, About four or five of those, I kind of tinkered with it and then passed it along to collaborators. So now I'm waiting for three or four people to get back to me and show me what layer they put on this cake. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, so I'm really excited about that. Um, You know, we're this, this, um, shot on a cell phone short is doing yeah. its festival rounds and i'm awesome i mean dude the first f- festival that we got <laughs> into we got not the bronze not the silver but the platinum award like and not even in the <laughs> micro budget or the whatever category it was best film like that's all oh, beautiful just, that's wild man so super excited about that super excited about taking the docu dance to uh australia I don't know if I'll be able to go, but they can screen it and right. you know, let us know what happens. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sitting on a couple feature film scripts, but um, you know, with those, I I, I you know, I'm kind of trying to figure out funding, which is always the biggest thing right. to figure out. You know, it's you know, there, there, I've even had conversations on Twitter and TikTok where people are like, "Well, you know, you could." make a feature film for $5,000. It's been done. <laughs> it has, but a f- the, the $5,000 budget won't complete 
this script mm. will not realize you know so they're, they're like yes you could but like what is it and what you know like Blair right. Witch Project sure sure it was a shaky camera in the woods like of course that script worked for that right mm -hmm. or paranormal activity it was all happened inside a house you could, couldn't really tell okay of course you could do that for ten thousand dollars right but like think about like if if a feature film takes 14 weeks to shoot forget about everything you have to pay for let's just talk about feeding the cast and crew for 14 days breakfast lunch and dinner <laughs> half the budget <laughs> That's 4,000 yeah. right there. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you can shoot the whole thing. So, yeah. anyway, so I, I'm sitting on a couple features. I don't know when, where, how, um, but hopefully, you know, and I'm working on those. It's always a constant. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what we got on the horizon and always, yeah, cool. always busy stuff. And, you know, people are back at UNLV uh, in person. So, this is kind oh, of like so a cool be... thing for my day job. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, it's super exciting to get to talk to you um, just about all kinds of stuff because you embody the spirit of something I deeply believe in, which is do the best you can with what you have. I mean, the fact that you have this tremendous output across different, you know, mediums, different forms is so inspiring to me. It's it's super like well, thank you. energizing, you know, when you when you get to talk to and meet somebody who has that drive to just create because that's really that's what it is dude it's what, it I'm has not, to I'm happen not, you know i'm not like physically thinking okay now we got to do the music now we got to do the film now we it's just i have to do it yes yeah. there's it's no choice right <laughs> uh, yeah I ha otherwise i will go insane yeah you know? yeah well you know hopefully next time we get to talk we'll go into the studio a little bit more, you know, studio cool. work as well as uh, is the music aspect of it and the marketing aspect of it because you're a, a self-built machine. You got these components already in place, and I think that would be really beneficial for folks who are just on the verge of figuring out how they want to go about this stuff. That it would be really beneficial right. to get to chat with with you again. And obviously, you know, I'm selfishly trying to borrow as much as humanly possible from people who know <laughs> what the hell they're doing because that's yeah. always, you know, that's always the inspiring thing. Again, I don't know if I know what I'm doing, but I've been doing it for a while. Exactly, you know? and, and and again, like yeah. I feel, I feel like the drive that I have comes from being spiteful to everyone else in the world who says I cannot do it. You got to have that. Why chip are you on doing music? Because you said I couldn't do it. Why are you doing film? Because you said I couldn't do it. You know, I have a sociology degree, not a film school degree. So you said I couldn't be a filmmaker. I'm going to do it. There you, you know? go. There you go, man. So. But you're proving people wrong. You're doing your thing. And it's inspiring as Thanks, hell, man. man. It's really it's really been a blast to get to talk to you. And again, man, you yeah, got you to hit great. me up Thanks when, for having me. when the next project comes up. Let me know so that we can continue this because I'm excited yeah, as hell already to get to continue this. <laughs> <laughs> will do man yeah man yeah. send me some links and i'll put them in the description but uh i'll be around okay let's talk cool. let's keep talking yeah thanks man <laughs> this, was, this was a blast awesome man take care